What is your credit score and how do you improve it? If you're getting a loan, for example, a mortgage or wanting to take out a credit card, then you probably want to be asking yourself these questions. But they don't make it easy to understand, do they? Even the phrase credit score can be used in different ways by different people. So today, we're going to help you understand the information that matters to you. In this episode, I use credit score to mean specifically the numerical score that credit rating agencies give you, that three-digit number you might have seen. And I use credit rating to mean how other organizations, particularly lenders, rate you in your credit worthiness. This could be your bank or a credit card company, and it's primarily used to decide if or how you're going to be lent to. There are further nuances, of course, but to be honest, I really don't think it's helpful to go too deep into them here. So, yeah, here we go. Hello, Tamayne. <laughs> Hello, Damien. <laughs> How's it going? I'm all right, mate. How's it going? I was going to call you Timeyan. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because if you ask Siri on my phone to call you, I have to say, call Timeyan. I always want to call you Tintin because of your hair. Ah, this guy. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Um, so on that note, should we get into today's episode? Let's do it. We've got a question from a listener called Simon. Thank you, Simon. Well, it's not really a question. It's more of a statement. So I'm currently in the process of checking credit agencies. One of the big three agencies just didn't have a file for me. I just feel this stuff is much more important than people realize, and it isn't taught anywhere. Discuss. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> feel like GCSE English. Yeah. Um, so I guess today we're talking about credit ratings. Yes. Let's start by showing each other's. I you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Not a competition I want to have with you, We mate. see who's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I've got mine here. Mine's actually taken a bit of a hammering recently because I, I, put, um, I bought a load of stuff on credit on debt. I, I redid my studio and rather than shelling out the money myself, I put it on a 0% card. Nice. So that's hurt me yeah pay for that tomorrow don't worry about today yeah yeah i so, still reckon your score is better than mine though i got it here go on so here's the big reveal mine is 781 out of a thousand and that's with clear score is that good i mean it's all right it says here that the average in the uk is is at 555 out of a thousand that makes me feel so much better because my score is 578 and that is classified as poor <laughs> and i'm not poor but apparently my score is poor you're so. not poor because you've been blowing all the other people's money <laughs> yeah but i mean i don't even have a credit card so like i would be like, let's get into this because how is it that i've got no credit cards but i've got a bad credit should score should we try and make you feel better first can we let's go around the room and ask some of the let's expose some people. Of people that are in this room that no one else sees what their credit scores are who should we start with i think we start with uh jack jack the cameraman yeah uh, 980 something. Nine, <laughs> 980, what? Let me, let me borrow some money in a credit card. <laughs> what? What is going on there? That's insane. Guy lives with his nan as well. Oh, it's pretty much perfect score. <laughs> pretty much a perfect score almost. Um, Ruth, Maybe. Ruth, Ruth fled to Spain because she's got bad debts. <laughs> Oh, yes, 418 oh, below me. That makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, I know. That makes me feel a bit better. Everyone at home is loving life at the minute, I reckon. Johnny, you're looking very nervous, mate. Mine's good. 903. 903. Maybe Johnny and Jack... Yeah. yeah, Johnny and Jack should be leading Turn it the upside podcast. Down, that's a 600, <laughs> 306. <laughs> that's a hard 306. Will is outraged. She <laughs> owe loads of money. In. So secret is get loads of credit cards. Be up to your eyeballs and, and then pay, pay them all on time. Yeah. <laughs> so what have you been doing? I'm just 
not paying things. Okay. Well, if we break down into what affects your credit Don't score. Don't forget Will first. Of course. Will, what's your score saying, buddy? 867, better. Yeah. So I'm the second lowest score, 867. Wow. Yeah. I pre- yeah. appreciate you, Ruth. <laughs> yeah, well, disappeared up the map. <laughs> Done a runner. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, what, what is a credit score? So... A credit score is almost like the number representation of what the agency that provides it to you thinks your credit worthiness is. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean all that much. You know, people hold on to the score. And what I actually think happened was the credit referencing agencies realized that they could sell an extra service direct to consumers where they go, oh, do you want to see what we think about you? So all it is really is them saying this is how credit worthy we think you are and we'll rank that out of a thousand or whatever so you get to peek behind the curtain and see what they all i mean you don't know no you don't get to peek behind the curtain because what most people don't realize is most lenders will have their own criteria they 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 have their own criteria for making a judgment on so every business has a different criteria yeah every, every lender has a different criteria yeah you know Barclays might say, these are the things that are important to us. And we run you through our own internal algorithm or process checklist. The score itself vary from a, like whoever you use to get the score. So you, I think you use- I use Experian. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, bad is bad in any yeah, language. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure, I don't think I'm going to go to 900 from 578 I mean, you, if you I jump might. to clear score. There's a chance. So, you know, um, but yeah, bad is bad across the board. Um, so is that- the Experian, we've got Experian, you use ClearScore, how many are there? Experian, Equifax and TransUnion are the referencing agencies. They're almost like the big boys who make the scores, but then you have services that give you access to that. So ClearScore run off Equifax. I like ClearScore because it's completely free and I think the user interface is nice. I think they make their money through then getting you to sign up to credit cards. And, and yeah, stuff. recommend, because they always yeah. recommend you different credit yeah, cards yeah, and exactly. things like that. But what you have is the three main referencing agencies and then lots of companies that will give you access to that score. You can even now get scores with lenders specifically. I know when I, I did a balance transfer recently, so I bought my studio on my American Express and then balance transferred the balance onto a 0%. So I get the points and a 0%. And within the MBNA or Virgin, it was, they were saying, would you like us to tell you how we score you? Yeah. So lots of these places are offering these no, know, extra, yeah, extra scores. And what kind of things can they see in your, what kind of things affect your, your credit score? Your so I'll tell you what, should we do a little quiz? I'll ask you first. Cause, let's go. Yeah. And they, Knowledge, wisdom, yeah, let's I, go. I'm going to go through, go through it. I've already given some of them away. So this is a quiz from the lender's perspective. So okay. what the lenders know about you. So let's go through it. If you have a criminal record, can they see that? Oh, that's interesting. I hope not. Um, Might explain your <laughs> rock bottom score. I have no criminal record for the record. You plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. No comments. You can speak to my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that affects it. Okay. Uh, what if it's for fraud? Oh, yeah. good question. There you good go. Question. So I will say no, they can't see your criminal record, but if you've done something dodgy with money, they probably can. They think you can if, if there's potentially fraud. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about unpaid parking tickets? No, they can't. Because otherwise I'd be on zero. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they definitely can't. And energy providers, and if you've switched? I have no idea. That's a, well, probably if you don't pay them, if you don't pay your like gas bill, can they see it? Because that's, is that a lender? I don't think. Yeah, they could probably see energy providers. Mm-hmm. And what about how much you have in your savings account? No, because savings isn't credit. Okay. Right? Yeah. So, so do you not think though that maybe they might be like, oh, 
you're you're more credit worthy because you've got a load of money? Oh, I know they can see your bank account, like your main current account, but I don't think they can see your savings because that's they can't see investments, can they? Or can they? I don't think they can. It's your quiz, mate. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I'm just going to pretend I know all the answers. Yeah, no, I hope you know I the know answers. I'm going to read them off a sheet in a minute. <laughs> uh, no, they can't see your savings. Okay, I fair enough. Think. Okay. And how about all the shady videos you've been liking on Instagram? <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think... No, they can't see your social media. I can see those. <laughs> no, every time I comment on something, Damo's like, I've seen your comment. I was like, oh yeah. dear, I've been caught red-handed. It's funny you see the sh- like the weirdest video come and up it- and then it's just T pops up as a comment below being like, what up? <laughs> <laughs> I like to engage with the Instagram community. Yeah, 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 that's funny. Okay, let's go through this. But to be clear, we, we will just see a score from the lender's perspective. What they get is reams of data on you so they get hundreds of lines of data you know they, they know quite a lot about you basically as an individual and they can build a profile off that let's go through some of the things that they do have and then we'll go through some of the things that they didn't okay cool okay so they, they obviously have the application form one of the key points around the application form is to make sure there's consistency you know if you're applying for for lending what people often do is they just bang down any job title and that might not match in other areas and they're doing fraud checks here. And if they think there's inconsistency, they'll be like, no, just, just get rid. They're looking to screen people out on that. So make sure it's accurate, up-to-date information, those kind of things. That can include everything from, you know, postcode, salary, family size, any information that they've asked on there. So they, they can know quite a lot about you. Okay. But they can't know like certain personal things, right? Well, they're asking that information. Like, I don't know they? if you've got kids and stuff. Well, you, they're asking you to give that information, uh, so yeah, aren't they? Can't. So, you know, it's it's kind of like... They can't search that up. They want to know it, but you know, it needs to be accurate, I would say. Okay, past dealings you've had with that lender, obviously. So any credit you've had in the past with them, anything like that. And then your credit files through Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. So those credit files collect information from a multiple different sources, like the electoral roll. This is why getting on the electoral roll is good for your credit rating typically. The, when I worked in Debt Solutions, the way this was always positioned was, they like you being on the electoral roll because it shows you have roots. So it's like I'm registered to vote in this area. People who aren't, it, you're not settled. It just shows that you're kind of committed to an area a little bit and it, and you're like formally recognized as living there from a voting perspective. I'm guessing there's data that if you're registered to vote in an area, you're more likely to pay back the debt and things yeah. like this. Right, what else do they know about you? So we're still on the referencing agencies here. So the lender will go to the referencing agency and say, can we have all of the information? So they'll have like the electoral roll, court records, account history, typically for six years. So, you know, they can go back up to six years. And- when you say court records, mm. criminal court or like financial? Good question. So more more like CCJs and things like this. But, but fraud... Yes, financial fraud, because I think that's relevant to, to the lending process, but I don't think that they can see criminal convictions. For our listeners, CCJ stands for County Court Judgment. Don't yeah. ask me why I know that. I <laughs> might have collected a couple over the years. You just love a day in court, don't you? I you love see? a day in court, mate. No, yeah. I don't turn up and then they hit me with the fine. Yeah, well, good point there. So if, if you have got CCJ action, CCJ action against you, most people don't attend the court hearing. Yeah. You should go. No, I know. Because if you don't show up, they just go, oh yeah, well, they're not yeah. bothered. They're giving a CCJ. Student, student life, mate. It was student problems. Now I'm a good boy. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the energy supplier. So there's some information there. I think in the recent 
past they've added energy bills onto certain utility bills have gone onto your credit score or if you've switched suppliers they can see that as well um again as well if there's debt from energy suppliers that's gone to a ccj they'll be able to see that so with your parking fines they wouldn't be able to see the fine but if the fine turned into a ccj they and there was a judgment against you to collect on that debt they would be able to see that and with those kind of actions they last for six years on your credit rating again and it adversely affects your credit score, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. There's rating. not much. There's Are not, they bad? Yeah, pretty bad. Like, really bad? Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. Before we go on to what they don't have, we'll just touch on this because you've asked. There's kind of like a hierarchy of impacts on your credit score. But in my experience working in debt solutions, if you get any of these, you're, you're going to instantly be subprime. So default notices are normally once you've missed three months' worth of payments on a debt, they will write to you and send you a letter, a default notice to say you've defaulted on the debt we're removing your ability to use it and you now owe us the full balance back. So if you had a credit card with a thousand pound on you, it's canceled, you owe my grand. That default notice will last for six years on your credit file. If you pay it off within those six years, it shows us satisfied. All that simply means is you paid it off, but the default still stays there. Yeah. Beyond the default, let's say you don't pay them and they chase you in more and more and more and it goes to a debt collector. They can eventually take you to court and through the court process, apply for a CCJ. And that's the county court judgment. That's an action against you. That is more severe than a default notice. Again, it lasts for six years. Everything does. But, you know, I, I, I didn't experience lenders that were like, we'll lend to people with default notices, but not to people with CCJs. The so they'll lend, they'll just charge you more. Going to struggle to borrow with both, really. I mean, that might have changed now. I worked in this space 10 years ago. The problem with a CCJ is it comes with, so a default notice and debt collection and things like this, they, they have no legal right to collect. They can't come in and kick your door in and, and take your stuff or whatever. You know, debt collectors, uh, they just glorify call centers trying to get the debt. They normally buy the debt off the, off the yeah. yeah, and try and collect on it. Whereas a CCJ, they can then appoint bailiffs and things. And these have much stronger rights for collection. Yeah. The court has basically said, yes, you are owed that money. Go get we it. Will go get it. So the bailiffs and things, they're the more severe action. Beyond that, in terms of impact are debt solutions like an IVA, um, bankruptcy, debt relief order, a trustee if you live in Scotland. All of those are forms of insolvency. So they wipe debt. Um, I often see adverts which are like, wipe your debt for 50 pounds. What people don't realize is they're basically going bankrupt with that solution. And that really affects your- Again, credit. yeah. Worse but, than a CCJ. Yeah, yeah, because you basically, I mean, if you think about it from a creditor's perspective, if a person's, Got a default notice, you might think, well, maybe they hit hard times. If a person's got a CCJ, you're like, they've ignored it, but they're now set up a payment and they're paying it back. If they've gone bankrupt, you might be like, they just wiped the debt. So yes, they might have had a terrible situation, blah, blah, blah. But am I going to lend to someone that's just had all their debts wiped? You no know, that, view it through that lens. Lasts on your credit file for six years, bankruptcy. But the problem is a lot of lenders, so mortgage applications will say, have you ever been bankrupt? Uh... You know? Because they can't see past the six years, but they want to know because I think- what So all lenders can only see six years. Six years of history. So basically, it's not fair to penalize someone for their whole life for yeah. past discretions. Otherwise, I'd have been done in my 20s, <laughs> you know? So they say six years to, to give people a fresh start, but then mortgage applications will say, have you ever been declared bankrupt? And if you don't say yes, when you have, you, you're, you could be argued that's mortgage fraud because you're lying on the application. And if they ever found out in the future, they could say, we're taking the product back. 
I just think it's important that people understand those solutions, the progressions of impact on credit rating. The whole thing will last six years or any of it really, but any solution that wipes that off is a form of insolvency and is very serious, you know? So anyway, sorry, we, we segued there, but while you were asking, so yeah, mate, you got five years, 11 months <laughs> before yours turns itself around, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Let's look at what the lenders don't actually know about you now then. They don't know your race, religion, or ethnicity. So I'm pretty obvious why they don't need that well, information. Well, I mean, with a name like Tamina Kohli, I'm pretty sure they could guess that I'm not Caucasian. Yeah. I mean, that's just a shout. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that's pretty cool that at least it minimizes people like... I can imagine in the past there were some awful decisions made around race and lending and yeah. things like this. Like, yeah, like, we don't want to lend to Mohammed or we don't yeah. want to lend to like yeah, whatever. Exactly. So um, that's pretty cool. They can't see it. Who, who you are married to or living with. So they don't know who you're living with, but they can if it's linked, if you've got a linked account. So one thing to consider is linked accounts can drag you down. If you have like a joint bank account with someone who is reckless, the association will impact you. Oh, so yeah. the good association won't impact you, but the bad association. I mean, the good one might, okay. might help. Um, but you don't want to be the bad one. <laughs> Jones, it's a bit late for, it's a bit bit late for that, mate. Blame it on the missus, mate. Blame it on the missus. Drag down the school, get a nice little balance in the middle. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. Just average it out. <laughs> um, so in the past, when I had housemates, we had like a, me and, me and a housemate, we both rented a place and we had a joint account to just pay all the money into. And yeah, there was an impact there because when I moved out and stuff, it was still technically linked to them, even though I hadn't been. So yeah. <laughs> Worth considering. They can't see into savings accounts. Yay, that's yeah. right, I told you. Yeah, because um, it's not relevant to the ability to borrow, even though it is. It should be though. I always tell mm. them, if you've got like half a mil saved up, and you're like, I want a credit card. And like, oh, you can't, you've got bad credit rating. I'm like, yeah, but I've got loads of money in savings, but they can't see that. You can't well, use you that. know they can't because they ask for proof of funds, don't they? Yeah. But like, this is why a mortgage provider will ask for proof of funds and say, can we see that you've actually got the money and, and where that's come from? Like you say, it, it, it is relevant, but would you want a phone bill company knowing how, how much you've got in savings no and stuff? You know, um, they can't see student loans except pre-1998, it says here. Again, no, unless you had a county court judgment for lack of payment. Criminal records. No criminal convictions are listed apart from fraudulent ones. Fraud, financial fraud. Makes sense. Yeah. They can't see council tax arrears, parking fines or driving fines. Oh, sweet. It says here that councils don't share, show da share data about your payment, whether it's good or bad. If you're in arrears, it won't affect your credit scores. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because I still owe Manchester Council from Salford like money for my council tax. They're not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> I live in London, mate. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, it's so far away. Well, now they've cancelled HS2, mate. Like, yeah, no, exactly. one's, no one's ever coming down again, are they? They're turning off the water next month as well. <laughs> They're going to spend it all on like a little new golden arch outside Putney Tube Station. <laughs> but you yeah. come up with this stuff. Yeah, well, that's how it feels if you're a northerner. Can you guess what the biggest learning has been from doing this podcast or even my YouTube channel? It's that the most important investment you can make is in you. So for me, my path to real wealth isn't through investing, it's by building this business. And that's why I'm happy that we're working with Hostinger. Hostinger help entrepreneurs, freelancers, and side hustlers with their websites. My favorite thing is their AI website builder, which helps anyone create a professional website with zero coding experience. You just describe your goal in a couple of sentences, and the AI creates a beautiful looking website, just like magic. 
You can then customize it, use the AI assistant to generate SEO-friendly text, and even use their AI logo maker. It's fast, user-friendly, and of course, what I like the best is it's great value for money. You can get website hosting in a free domain from £2.99 a month. So if you want a website, then check out Hostinger. And if you use the code making money, that's making money all one word, you'll get 10% off. And I've left a link in the description for you. Before I became a creator, I was a sales guy. I mean, I love selling. It's how I rebuilt my life after some wrong turns in my 20s. I also delivered Chinese takeaways on the side, but that was more fun money so I could go out on a night without feeling guilty. Sales was where the real money was at. And one tool that I found really useful was LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's a sales intelligence platform that helps you identify and then get into conversations with high value customers so you can drive more revenue. You can use it to look for key signals like recent job changes, so you can find buyers who are most likely to convert. And because they've got a billion people on the platform, I mean, the chances are your targets are going to be on LinkedIn. Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date, first-party data so you can get into conversations with the people that matter. So if you want to give Sales Navigator a try, you can get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash upsell. That's linkedin.com slash U-P-S-E-L-L for a 60-day free trial. Is there such thing as getting such a bad credit score, credit rating that you get blacklisted? Blacklisted, yeah, interesting. Can you, get, can you get just like, no, no one's letting to you ever again, you're blacklisted. I'll tell you a story that we used to tell our clients when we were offering them debt solutions, because people all the time would be like, oh, I don't want to be blacklisted. This is probably complete BS, but it, it sounds good. So it supposedly comes from a time when the high street and people would go to the butchers and then the greengrocers and things like this, and they would buy their food on tick or credit you know yeah they would get they would say here is you can have your week's worth of meat come and pay me on friday and people that didn't make that payment they would write their name on a black board and put it in the window and that was the blacklist so the other shop owners on the street would could know. see that and go oh that person we're not gonna lend them sweet corn or whatever because they've not paid the meat man back um so that was the blacklist where this gets convoluted even further is it is public information if you've been if you've been declared bankrupt. It's still printed in a couple of newspapers. I can't remember the specific one, but there's a there's a London newspaper that prints everyone who's been declared bankrupt. Wow. And you can search up the records, the insolvency register, it's called. And on there you can see everyone that's been declared insolvent. So there is no blacklist. And yes, there are people that can borrow during bankruptcy, even though you shouldn't. This is why a lot of people get into trouble where, you know, they've they've been declared bankrupt and then they're found to still be borrowing and things. Yeah. So, but there's no like, oh, this person has been condemned. No one should lend to them. We always used to say to people before we were making them insolvent, you know, a credit rating is only good if you want to borrow. But that is true in a way, but it's not. So there's a lot of people out there that might be sat there going, you know, I don't want a credit card. I don't want a mortgage. So a credit rating is used to get credit, right? But first of all, if you're borrowing, a good credit rating will allow you access to better rates, longer interest-free periods on cards, um, better balance transfers, things like this. You'll get the, the better products. You've probably seen it when you go on and you do a comparison and it will offer you an advertised rate and it'll be like, you could get 5%. You click it and then it's like, nah, 55. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they've taken a look at your rating and gone, yeah, this guy's a melt. Like, <laughs> whack up the rate. You know, so 
it, it impacts that that side of it, but it can also impact jobs. So I worked in certain professions where I had to be credit checked. I actually had that, yeah, with um, normally in investments and finance. It was an American, yeah, it was an American finance company, and yeah. they wanted to know any. They did a whole criminal record, financial yeah. record, and then they wanted to know because you like you're likely to commit fraud. Yeah, you, they, is the argument in, if, 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 you, if, you're in, if you're in bad if you're in a bad position, I guess. Oh. And there's also, you know, when I worked for it was it was like a, a property investment company. The argument was that they they needed the people to be clean because if the client base looked up who was working with them and and things like this so they might you know a, a company might screen you on that basis which can seem unfair but you know it can affect certain job positions yeah. that's interesting um what about if you have like loads of credit cards does that affect your credit score should you have like if you're not, if you have credit cards that you're no longer using like old credit cards do you still keep them active or do you destroy them like how does it so we're getting into now what impacts the score or the rating yeah and what what so the score is up to the lender and they might say we don't like people to have more than one card but the, sorry the rating but let's talk about the score specifically and the information that they use to consider it because that kind of gives a nod to the the rating, rating side of it what you talked about there was something called credit utilization so this is what percentage of your debt are you using on a monthly basis and it's kind of counterintuitive this because let's say you have £10,000 worth of credit cards total. So you have three cards, each with 3,300 limit. You could spend 10,000, yeah? Yeah. What they want to see is a low utilization on a monthly basis. They want to see that you're not spending up to the limit all of the time and that you're paying that off. Or if you're holding a balance, so you've not paid it off in full each month, that it's not right up to the top. Being up to the limits on cards signifies to the lender that you're struggling, Yeah. So they recommend a utilization below 30%, but you'll see improvements in your credit score as you pay off debt and you get closer to zero, right? Now, because the utilization is a percentage of the total amount of credit that you have available to you, by having more access to credit, you can actually have bigger balances, but a better utilization. So for me, for example, if I owe... £10,000 on one credit card and it's 10K limit, that's 100% utilization. But if I have four credit cards each with 10,000 and I still owe 10,000, I'm only using 25% utilization. So they would see that as better because I'm not maxed out. So when you get your credit score, they'll often say improve your utilization. And you'll find that if if a new card is added onto your credit file, that can actually mean your, your score improves because the utilization drops. Oh. because you're using less of the available credit. It's like this guy's got the ability to blow 50 grand at any point and he's only spent five. Yeah. So that must mean he's relatively sensible. So I never really close down old credit cards. If I'm going to close down a credit card, I'll close down the newest one because the age of the account also factors into the score. Oh, so it's better if you have longer, longer It's a accounts. longer standing relationship with a, with a provider. It signifies to other lenders that this person has been with that provider for a long time. They've been with their bank account for 15 years. They've kept them happy. So, you know, whereas if it's like, oh, this guy's got nothing but new credit cards. They're all a month old. What's he about to do? Do you know what I mean? Is he about to have a, the time of his life? <laughs> That's what I did in uh, Israel. Okay, I'm just watching this back. And before T tells us whatever he got up to in Israel, I just want to add something in here. T asked me whether he should cancel old credit cards. 
Now, whilst what I said about credit utilization and long-standing relationships is right, it's also true that having lots of unused credit cards can negatively impact your applications. So if you have a range of unused credit cards, then it could be a good idea to cancel some of them. There is no definitive answer here as all lenders look at this differently. But in general, if you've got loads of unused credit, close some cards down, leaving the oldest ones open. And of course, as I said, don't max them out. Okay, back to T and his wild times. They gave me a credit card when I got to university. They offered me one in the How post. How dare they? I, the cheek of it. I never had a credit card before, so I was like, yeah, I'll take Huzzah! it. Yeah, I was like, I'm lit. Went to Israel, blew it all, yeah. maxed out. Was taking money out the cash machine, was in the clubs, everything. Came back, paid it off, closed my credit card. So taking cash since. out of a It's a terrible it's a idea. Yeah, I learned yeah. that the hard way. Yeah, because it, again, it signifies to them that you're, you're pretty reckless and that you're in need of cash. Yeah. So never call Well, if you're given... Credit card to a 19 year old and he's on holiday. What do you expect? Like, yeah, what do they expect? Yeah. That, I mean, there's a. They set me up, Damon. They set me up. Well, let's just talk about that while, while we're on it because there's an argument of, you know, people say, oh, pay, pay your balance back in full every month and blah, blah, blah. And, and if you think about it from a credit card perspective, they, they make no money on those people. What they want is someone who misses payments, who forgets to pay everything off in full, is deep in the debt. So they're Takes paying money out in interest. cash so they yeah. can hit him with the fees at the cash machine. Yeah. You see that, you know, like American Express provides loads of benefits to users. And I think the majority of people pay that off in full every month. So they lose money on those people. But there's a small proportion who, are, who can't, who don't. And they pay for everyone else to have all of those perks. Yeah, so I'm guessing what the credit card companies are trying to do is allocate the 5% of people or whatever that don't pay it back, that get stuck. And it's quite a nefarious industry in that way yes. because they want you to- Mess up. To they not want, pay them yeah, back. They, want you, they, want, them they back. want you to be incurring interest. There's um, a really good website called whatsthecost.com. I think uh, we should pull this up actually and we'll share a screen share on it. What's the cost? What's the cost? And what it does is it shows if you pay the minimum payments on a credit card, what, um, how long it will take you to pay it off. While that loads because the internet in this house is a joke for some reason. It's taking hours. Or maybe it's because the website's really old. But I used to use this website when I was talking to people about their debt solutions. And I was saying, they were like, oh, I just pay the minimum payment. It's like five pound a month. It's not that bad. Okay, so this is loaded. Like I said, we'll share this in the newsletter. £5,000 on a, on a credit card. It, let's say the interest rate's 25%. The minimum payment, so what they ask for is typically between 2 to 4% of the balance each month. So let's put it at 3%. So if you just maintain the minimum payment, it's going to take you 402 months to clear it, which is 33 years. And you'll pay back £10,000 in interest. Off a of £5,000 loan. So if if you if you overpay that by ten pound, it would mean you repay it in one hundred and seventy seven months, which is fourteen years, and you save yourself three and a half thousand pounds in interest. So if you're a business that wants to make money off people with interest, you want them all sat there making the minimum payments. Yeah, don't you? that's the person you would lend to, not the person who clears it in full every month. But what about people like obviously I've only had one credit card in my life, but what about people who've had no credit cards ever? Like you would think that they would have like the best clean slate, no mm. debt, good record, attractive to um, all these lenders. Well, someone who's never borrowed anything won't have a score. Yeah. It's not like they'll be zero. They just won't, they, they won't, won't exist. exist almost. But from, let's 
frame it from the perspective of would you lend to them? So would you lend to someone who's never borrowed any money and never shown anyone that they paid them back? Or would you lend to someone who's borrowed lots and paid everyone back? Who, who are you most likely to lend to? The second, but would you borrow to someone who's never ever borrowed before? Or to someone who's borrowed before and they've had trouble paying it back? Yeah, well, the, because- the argument might be that you know, they they would like that second person because then They're they can gonna, they can make money out of them. But but you need to have a basically you need to have a history of. Well, this is yeah. ID. This is why you have like these starter credit cards and credit builders and things like this. And it's why when you first get a debt, you'll get a very small starter balance. You might get a few hundred pounds that you can borrow because they're testing the waters with you. So you know, have, never borrowing is almost as damaging in terms of borrowing as having issues in the past because you have no track record, especially if you're a ghost that, that's never existed before. <laughs> They'd be like, who is this person and why are they suddenly starting to try and borrow? So yeah, um, I think that makes sense. But what does um, your credit score, credit report actually like affect apart from credit card, you, your ability to get credit cards? Yeah, every, every form of lending. So mortgages and the rates there, the, the deals that you'll be offered, um, certain types of insurance as well. It, it might impact, like we said before, your jobs, credit cards, loans, overdrafts. In fact, things like um, phone bills, like phone contracts or not really? I, I don't know because there is, a, there is an APR on a phone bill. It affects car finance. Yeah. yeah oh, you know, you know the, rate, yeah, the rates that they offer you because when they, when they go away and look at the finance, they're applying a rate to that and that, that will be dictated by... Um, your credit, your credit rating. Okay, so it can affect pretty much anything. Anything, anything that's credit, do, anything, anything, that's anything credit. where you're borrowing money. Buy now, pay later, maybe as well. Um, would would impact would be impacted by that. Phone bills potentially. I mean, they might they might say you know because they do they do do a credit check, and when you look at your credit score, you'll see phone bills on there. You know, they, it's called a hard search, isn't it? When they when they've checked you for a contract to see if if they can lend to you, lend the phone to you. Okay, great. So I think now I know how important credit scores are um, and credit ratings. My score is 578. So how do I get to the lofty heights of your 700s or the big, big swingers like Johnny over there with his 900s? How do I get, um, improve my credit score? Yeah. So the thing about a credit rating and then a credit score as a visualization of that is it's a measure of your use of credit over time. So it takes time to improve, but there are things that you can do, some quick wins, some not so quick wins. The first thing is make sure you have a credit history. You can probably improve yours because what's happened there is I had a credit card in the past, I abused it, and then I've never touched them again. Traumatized, mate, traumatized. There's not much track record there, is there, of a good relationship with credit. So maybe if you took out a new credit card and then over the space of six months you were buying on it, paying it off in full each month, that might make your score improve. Nice. Try not to max out the limits though. It's that credit utilization thing we were saying before. If you're hitting the limit every month and, and remember your score is a snapshot once a month. So they might not, they, they will just take a picture and go, this is your score for the month. And what they'll see there is, oh, the balance is like eight grand this month. And you know, I, even if you're spending on the car to pay it off in full every month, I would try and be well under the limit. So 30% is a sweet spot. Well, f- again, from a rating perspective, who knows? But from a score perspective, you see that they say 50%, 30%, zero. You know, you'll see improvements at these key milestones. Oh but most of the scores now 
they're quite responsive to any changes. So clear squad gives you a new score weekly. So if the depth's changed at all, you'll see fluctuations in the score over that time from a lending perspective, because that's all that really matters. I mean, you know, why would you want to improve your score if you don't want to ultimately borrow? The, from the lender's perspective, they might say we need a hard number of 30% or under, 20% or under, 10% or under. They're going to have their own rules in the background that we can't see. Yeah. You know, they're just looking to screen people en masse. Think of how many applications they get. They're not going to go, oh, you know, well, you had this last month and now it's this. They're just going to be like, Bush. is it 30% or Cut under? Off. If not, see you later. Yeah. Make payments on time. Obvious big one. I would say as well, if you could make over the minimum payment, you know, again, minimum payments, whilst they're good for business, probably look terrible from a score perspective. And then don't withdraw cash on there. Like we said, Oops. <laughs> yes. and don't make lots of applications. Yeah. So I hear yeah, every time you make an application for anything, it comes mm -hmm. on your credit, any sort of lending credit card, anything, it comes on your credit file. And then if you make another one, like the next yeah. week, it's likely to get like rejected. They call them soft and hard searches. Yeah. A soft search is just a, a company just peering at your, your credit rating to have a look and see what's going on. A hard search is we've made an application and they list that application on there. Everyone's got to go through that process of making those applications. Every time you get a new phone contract that you'll, you'll typically get a, a search record. What they're looking for in particular is he's applied for six credit cards in five weeks. He's been rejected by all of them. <laughs> Something's going on there. Or why is he taking out so much debt? You know, try and avoid making lots of applications at, at one point, especially within say six months of a big event like a mortgage. If you're looking to borrow in six months, for a mortgage, you know that what you want to be doing really is tidying up your credit file to make it look as, as good as possible. Yeah. yeah, so slamming loads of applications and stuff through isn't going to help that. Closed any unused accounts. This relates to bank accounts. This was new to me. I mean, I've got like six, seven bank accounts, haven't I? So it says that from the research that we did that having one or two core bank accounts that everything goes through, that's seen as a good for your score. So you should close down Bank that's account, current accounts that you don't use. Maybe that's what, what's dragging mine down, you know, that, that and all of the borrowing I did for the studio. And then register to vote. This is the quickest one. Yeah. If, you were if you're not registered on the electoral roll, if you register, you'll probably see a jump immediately in the, the credit rating side of things. And then finally, what have we got? Oh, keep your personal info up to date. I'm shocking at this. Oh, yeah. I'll move house and... My car's still registered to it dude, my six cars, years ago. Dude, I get like congestion charged to my old house. I get yeah. like my driving license is still to my old house. I hope I'm not getting trouble for that. I need to sort it out. But yeah, changing all your updating all your documents is a nightmare. Yeah, like my, my partner has a go at me about this because I'll be like, I've updated my driving license. She's like, yeah, but you need to update your V5. I'm like, why can't I just update one thing and everything changes? Thank why you. do we live in this system where I've got to call like 5,000 different people? And, and let them all know. I yeah. agree. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. So, but so, keeping that information up to date when you go on to your credit report you'll see all of your old address history and another thing to consider is have a look through it and make sure there's no errors within the credit um, within the, the address history itself so you might have like you might live at 26 you know Marlbury Avenue but it's flat 26 Marlbury Avenue and and by having it wrong they might not be linking up credit files that are linked to that address. It's really, the scoring side of it's quite a bad, it, it's not very intuitive in that sense. And we used to find that people would have a different phrasing of their address 
where they're flat, 33A, and it's, it says 33. 33 and no A. So by putting the correct one in, it then relinks all these files and stuff. And then it's like, oh, the score's just shot up. or It's gone the other way, you know. <laughs> so make so sure it's accurate. Going through all of your address history and making sure that the addresses are correct. It's a good place as well that, you know, if you need like six years of address history and you've forgotten it all, log on and typically it's all on there nice. and you can get all the postcodes and stuff. And all the dates. But oh, yeah, cool. the quickest ones will be the electoral roll and making sure the address history is up to date, closing down any bank accounts, um, getting the credit utilization down. But really, you should be looking at how can I improve my score over the next six months, not over the next six weeks. Yeah. You, you, yours is six years. <laughs> I haven't had a CCJ for a good couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so probably only like two years left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want a summary of this episode with all the links we mentioned, sign up to our newsletter using the link in the episode description. And do keep writing in. We love hearing from you. So send us a question. Or tell us what you want us to cover in this season at makingmoney at kindling.media. Also, uh, while you're at it, remember to subscribe and please leave us a review. This is not financial advice. The reason it's not financial advice is because it's not tailored to you. Like we say a lot on the podcast, investments can fall and rise. In fact, this is almost a guarantee. Remember, past performance is no guarantee of future results. So your money is always at risk with investing. Also, remember other fees may apply. I'm Damien Jordan. I'm Tamina Carole. This episode was recorded by Jack Hobbs and edited and produced by Ruth Edwards. Music is by Felix Taylor. Our marketing director is Johnny Hunter. And it was all brought together by Will Stolomon. Quick question from me and the Making Money team. Would you like us to come into your workplace to teach you and your colleagues more about personal finance? It's an absolute joke that we're not taught what to do with money. And this knowledge gap makes most people much poorer over their lifetimes. Take your work-based pension. Most people have no idea what the fund they're invested in does. And plenty of people just opt out altogether. We can cover whatever is most important from the basics to complex financial retirement planning supported by qualified financial advisors who are not there to sell you anything. We take different approaches for different people in a company depending on stuff like their age or their income. If you think people you work with could benefit from financial education, then please email will at getmost.co.uk. It doesn't matter what your role is in the business, we want to hear from you. So email will at getmost.co.uk. And I've left a link in the description for you. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.